This is Carspiracy. My name is Danny. I am one half of Idiots vs. Idiots. Uh, the podcast, well, I guess it should say used to exist, doesn't exist anymore. The big man and I had a falling out, and I've taken over the channel, and it's all cars from here, baby. So the first thing I want to talk about is this Netflix show called Driven to Survive or something like that. Uh, let me look up the real name, but it's this F1 show. And as you guys know, Idiots vs. Idiots is based out of the lovely city of Austin, Texas, currently overrun with Californians and New Yorkers and Chicago, Chicagoans. I don't know what you call people from Chicago, but uh, you call them gross. That's what I call them anyway. Um, yeah, it's called Drive to Survive, and season three is coming out. And so I thought I would talk about it. It's about F1, and like I said... Idiots versus Idiots is based out of Austin, the only city in the United States that has an F1 track. I'm a red-blooded American. I piss red, white, and blue. My urologist says that it's kidney issues, but he's Canadian. Who cares what he thinks? I love this show, uh, but I'm an American, and so I don't care about things like soccer and F1 and the royal family because since 1776, we don't care about that. And also, just throwing this out there, if a sport doesn't involve somebody getting traumatic brain injury that is permanent or CTE or they're not getting a lung caved in or something, I'm not interested. Motorsports, and I'm, you know, I, I a little divergent in this regard, I'm not that interested in NASCAR. Um, I like Vroom Vroom, I like a lot of noise, and F1 is a lot of, high-minded rhetoric and fancy people with yachts and they go to Monaco and that's a tax shelter. So I do guess, bless God bless Monaco because, you know, it's a tax shelter but um, or tax haven rather. But here's why I actually like the show. Now, I don't think open-wheel racing to me is interesting. The only reason I, the only real motorsports I'm, I'm like sincerely interested in are rally and I don't pay attention to it. Motocross, don't pay attention to it. Um, I love, I love the Australian V8 Supercar Series because those sedans look like things that I could go and buy at a car dealership. So I don't really care about NASCAR. I think drift is cool, but I'm just not going to spend time watching people go drifty, drifty, slidey, slidey in a circle for more than 10 or 15 minutes unless it's like, here's a guy doing a 100 mile an hour reverse entry. I think open racing, open wheel racing is not interesting to me. And there's something about that bourgeois kind of high-minded. It feels too European. It feels too sophisticated. It feels like a guy who speaks French and English and German. It's like, hey, guy, pick a lane, pick a language, speak one thing. But the reason I like it is the characters, these are all basically playboys, right, with one or two exceptions. Um, it's just such a... I think part of it is because I'm removed from it and I don't watch F1... It's all new to me, right? I, I don't know what happened in the last season F1 because I don't care. Oh, my goodness. Like, I, I get that it's a it's not an easy thing and people aspire to and dream to. There's nothing wrong with that. It just means I don't care for it. But the reason I wanted to talk about the show is if you're like me, you're an automotive enthusiast, you're a car nerd, you're a gearhead, whatever, and like me as an American, you're like, mm, F1 is dumb, and that's why, by the way, that's why Austin has the F1 track. Because Austin is the, like, we hate being American and in Texas. 
But, of course, we want to take advantage of all the things that Texas offers you, the low taxes, the uh, just uh, immense availability of raw land, and the general middle finger F you to uh, doing things the proper way. Um, but that, that is why the show is interesting. Or that's rather, that's why Austin has the F1 track because they hate being American and they hate being in the middle of Texas. They'd be much happier living in like if, if Austin was in California, it makes a lot more sense. That's neither here nor there, though. The show is interesting to me because of the characters. And it, yes, listen, in the background, it's about cars, right? And it's about mechanics. And what you no one can take away from the F1 driver is that they are drivers. And now, I don't care for the motorsport, but I do think people who have a, the skill to drive like that are super interesting and very impressive. And listen, I'm also a guy who doesn't fit into the stereotype, uh, you know, despite my perennial tan. Like, I, you know, I'm a red-blooded American. I don't care about football. I don't care about basketball. I don't care about baseball. So I'm just, and that's the thing, is like, you know, I started this podcast because I'm a car guy. This... I live and breathe cars. And so the show, my friends, it is so well shot. It is so interesting to follow um, the, the racers. And listen, I don't care what the heck is going on. I watched both seasons of the show. Never once did I go, oh, my goodness, I should watch the F1 match or race. I don't know. I'm assuming it's called a match because it's Europeans. Um, and again, listen, there's something generally dis- I, 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 I harbor disdain for that whole scene. But I thought it was a fun show and I wanted to talk to an audience of people and say, hey, you, if you like cars, this is way more interesting than that show called The Crew, which is like supposed to be about NASCAR, but it's basically about an office. Everything is just the office now, but let's let's talk about cars, bro. So uh, this is interesting. A uh, little backstory. So um, so up on your screen right now, what you're looking at is the Honda Ridgeline HPD. Now, if you've watched Hawaii Five O, the remake, the reboot, you know you know what HPD stands for. Honolulu Police Department. It's the Honolulu Police Department edition red line, or ridge line, rather. I was in a car with a buddy of mine who owns a car dealership. Very successful guy. Can't spell. Uh, but hey, you know, this is America. He's an immigrant. You can come here. You can be successful. God bless America and all that jazz. So we're driving around in a car dealership, and it's after hours, and we're in uh, his Durango SRT. This is a guy, by the way, who said countless power stroke uh, Super Duties. He's had a couple of V10 Super Duties. He's had a handful of Ram Cummins vehicles. Like he's had all of the big trucks, right? From all the automakers. Uh, with the exception of like the Nissan Cummins, which was garbage. This guy nearly trades in on the spot his Durango SRT when he sees this Ridgeline, the Honolulu Police Department edition. Because he thinks it's so cool. And I go, hey man, like if I was the kind of person who worked a desk job, which do those even exist anymore, and like my big goal in life, or like my big, you know, like my reprieve was I leave my job, on the weekends I drive out to my land out in Lampasas, 
or wherever in Central Texas. And uh, I go out and I, I ride my, my four-wheelers or I ride my dirt bike or whatever. And that's that. And I work this job that it doesn't like fulfill me, but it pays a paycheck. And uh, that's what I do. This Ridge Line makes a lot of sense. The first generation Ridge Line, it, 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 it wasn't no good. It wasn't good. Didn't look good. Uh, I happen to know somebody who owned one, drove the ever-loving crap out of it. The guy's a Silverado now, but um, it was good. It was a good truck to him, right? It, truck's a strong word. Minivan with a bed. But I do believe, and the Ridgeline signaled the coming era, and if you guys will notice on this, the, the redesign, on the HPD edition too, you'll notice that there's the line, the infamous line. So when Honda reintroduced the, the Ridge Line, they put a, a space, a panel gap, intentional panel gap, between the bed and the cab of the truck. Now the thing is, it's not, it's not a traditional truck in the sense that the, the cab and the bed are riding on a ladder chassis, but they are not one and the same. In fact, this is a unibody-constructed, transversely-mounted V6 uh, Honda Odyssey with a bed. And it's one of those things where, like, uh, if you're a guy and you get your hair cut at Great Clips and uh, your wife dictates everything about your life and you want to go get a big truck and she's like, no, uh, it won't fit in the garage or we have to redo our kitchen instead, this is kind of like, oh, it's a Honda Odyssey. It's a happy medium so when our son Aiden turns 16, it's fine. He can drive it to, you know, whatever ritzy high school he goes to in a neighborhood you can barely afford to live in. So you work extra hours at your job, and now your wife is flirting too much with her yoga instructor. That's neither here nor there, but it signaled the beginning of a flood of vehicles, I think, um, which are already popular around the world. And before... You start waving your flags and screaming, God bless America. And that's not a real truck, man. Remember that this, you know, here's this picture right here of the Gipper. It's a Subaru Brat. Not only is it not American, it's called the Brat. It's come, it comes from an era when you could just bolt seats in the back of something and there wasn't a government agency to be like, no, nah, you can't do that. Nonetheless, Ford is coming out with a Maverick. Um, and also, just just for the goof, the Honda Ridge Line manufactured here in the U.S. of A. Ford Maverick, on the other hand, HO in Mexico. That means it's made in Mexico. So, interesting, okay. But I do think that it serves the market. I think the market right now, I think these mid-sized trucks, I think that, uh, the the quarter ton segment is these trucks are now huge and they should be as they should be okay they're big but they offer dumb engines right I mean I think if you go the General Motors route you can get a six cylinder I think but Ford is already offering I think it's four cylinder turbo diesel uh, which makes me sad I mourn for my country I mourn for my nation it's over but that's fine uh, so. The only here's what I think though, if you look at a Ranger and a Maverick, and an F one fifty, the Ranger and the F one fifty are suspiciously close in size. 
the Maverick, which by the way, you know, the reason I bring up the, I, you know, I, I introduced the segment by talking about the Ridgeline was that it is based on the Ford's platform that, that is shared with the Escape and the Bronco Sport. Again, I think the Bronco Sport was a mistake, not as a model, but calling it a Bronco Sport. Now, if you had called it an Escape and then, you know, made the regular one square and then the really cool one with all the extra stuff just called the Escape Tremor, that doesn't offend me, okay? I'm super offended by the Bronco Sport. I think it's cool and I would buy one for my mistress, not my wife, not my girlfriend, but a mistress, not even a side chick. It had to be a proper mistress. And a proper mistress, I'd buy her a Bronco Sport. I would lease her a Bronco Sport through one of my companies. I would lease her a Bronco Sport through a nonprofit that I own where she would pretend to be a secretary who even answers phones anymore. The only thing I think Ford should have done is if you look at the Ranger and the F-150, they're so close in size. I think that the Ranger belongs in the F-Series lineup as an F-100. And I think that that is such a strong brand that the Ranger would handsomely fit into it. And I think that the with the Rangers and F-100, this new Maverick makes sense as a Ranger. I don't think that the general population that is buying trucks is really well served by these mid-sized vehicles. Let me tell you why. They're huge. And they get horrible, they're not horrible fuel economy, but they don't get like oodles and oodles of fuel economy. And uh, they're expensive. If you're talking about dropping 40 grand, upper mid-30 grand on a mid-sized truck, if you want a taco, if you want a Tacoma, they're a bajillion dollars. Starting not to make sense to buy the smaller truck if you want to, if you run a landscaping business, you might as well go for a ton. You might as well go for the full size. You might as well go to the uh, quarter ton because the quarter ton truck is so massive and it is so comparably priced. The value proposition for that middle sized truck really only is there if you have tons of money in a very small garage. If you live in a condo, that mid sized truck, mid size, makes a lot of sense. So I get why these trucks are going to be popular, and I don't. Unlike enthusiasts, unlike my fellow enthusiasts, I don't begrudge the companies for making them because I think small trucks are good, are cool, right? And they're finally going to have those creature comforts that you wanted. And it's going to be like no one's hauling a mattress every day, okay, unless you deliver mattresses and at which point you got a box truck i'm just saying i think this little guy's this little ford maverick with i'm guessing it's going to have well let's see so if you go get an f-150 today it has um a two-cylinder with a supercharger and a turbocharger that powers an electric thing and then there's a uh, mouse on a wheel and that thing's running and that's what you get and it's made completely out of tin foil because we got to save the whales. No, but I really just think people should make trucks out of steel and put V8 engines in them that don't have start stop and aren't cylinder shutting off and all this other nonsense that drives me insane. But the utility of a truck is in its ability to most of the time not tow things but haul things. You want to put stuff in the back that's why you have a truck bed. Okay? So what the Ridgeline, unfortunately, is a shallow truck bed. But it's Honda. This is Ford. Ford is making the Maverick. 
They have a better understanding of what this thing needs because they have a bigger audience as truck customers. So they have a better understanding overall, and that's good. Again, before somebody, before before Jeb hops in the chat and goes, that's, that Honda's not a real truck put together with chopsticks. Okay, it's built in America. This Maverick, which I think they should just call the Ranger and make the existing Ranger an F100, but no one ever listens to me, but I'm an automotive genius. I'm an automotive genius, and no one ever listens to me, and I'm entirely correct when I say the existing Ranger should be an F100 because it, it's big. It's so big, and it's so expensive. Um, and the, this Maverick thing should be called the Ranger. But I get how that could be complicated because... The Ranger that we got in the United States is a global truck. That is a global platform. Uh, it's actually very old. It's like six years old. And they brought it to the United States because Ford hates America, I guess. I guess there's no other way to put it. I, I guess I don't know talk about it. Another company that hates another, I guess, a, a, a customizer, Stinger, recently got in trouble. Stinger, if you don't know, is the amazing, this amazing company. By the way, I hate their logo stinger the the, the 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 writing it makes me sad on the inside um it looks like a signature of someone who i don't i don't know what you're saying you're saying danny it's not stinger it's singer you're thinking of the kia well guess what when your font is unreadable and it looks like a signature i don't it's hard to understand that it says singer and not stinger by the way i know it's singer if you're about to call me on it catch me in the streets Porsche has now asked Singer to take, uh, the, the vehicle has now come off of their website, and this is beautiful, like, I, um, I, I jumped too late onto this trend, onto the safari trend, I did build a safari car, and I would show you a picture, but it's gross, and I hate it, um, but the safari car trend is not going anywhere, to me, this is the best, absolute best automotive customizing trend to become popular, in other than the neon underglow Honda Civic boosting DVD players era. And we, we currently live in the most abnormal of times that if someone actually had DVD players and VCRs, they're retro and so they're worth more now. So uh, if someone's buying a 92 Honda Civic and ripping off DVD players, let me know. Especially if it's one of those DVD VCR combos. It's got to be worth at least $600 on eBay right now. Uh, check out Gary V. He'll tell you all about how to make money with that. I'm joking. If you don't know how jokes work, you suck. But this thing is called the Singer ACS, the All-Terrain Competition. And Singer is this company, for those of you, for the uninitiated, for the unaware, for you Neanderthals that only understand, rolling coal, man. Uh, this company builds the most beautiful air-cooled Porsches. And... They charge a million dollars. I don't know if it's actually a million dollars, but it's some absurd volume of money. It might might as well be a million dollars, okay? I don't even know how many of these ACSs they were going to build. Um, all I can tell you is they're exquisite. The video of, these, of this vehicle is... I, I can't even begin to explain with words the things that it made me feel... Needless to say, the lyrics of an R. Kelly song uh, were pro would probably be fitting, uh, but also inappropriate and pro slightly legal. Um, 
but it's gorgeous. But I think Porsche got pissed that they put the word Porsche on it everywhere. And my thing is, hey, Porsche, um, I get that they're putting the name Porsche on it, but quick question, if that chassis and that body that, it, that, that originated on it, if that was actually a Porsche, and it says Porsche on the title, I think it's ridiculous to say that they can't call this a Porsche because guess what? It's a Porsche. And if you're the kind of person that lives in the United States and you say Porsche, fall into a rapidly rising river. You're the worst. It's Porsche. This is America. If you want the E to sound like an E on the end, don't put the E there. It's Porsche. So if you say Porsche, Porsche, um, I hope you get canceled. Uh, but I think we should cancel everyone who says Porsche. Uh, but I think, I, I see where they're coming from. You know, Rolex did this with Bamford. Bamford was this customizer. They made these awesome black Rolexes. And um, there's a couple of, there's uh, California, or I forgot what the company's called. Uh, it was a designer company, and they made these super cool, they took these old Rolexes that no one was really into, and they made them hip and cool and possible, like for people to want to own, like hip. And um, Rolex sued both of those companies into oblivion. Bamford bounced back, but that's neither here nor there because it's a hard podcast, and I can't start talking about watches. Uh, nonetheless, um, I feel like there's a parallel here. The big company, Porsche, is offended that this says Porsche on the back because the other Singer Porsches often just say Singer on the back. And they really can't be like, hey, you can't buy a used car and then resell a used car after customizing it and putting your name on the back because that's your name. That's the company that customized it. But this beautiful vehicle, which, again, if I won the lottery today, um, it's $122 million, I'm still not buying one of these. Even if it's 10% of the money I won, I still am not buying one because it's absurd. Uh but I think like Matt Farah, you know, wrote an article in Roan Track or something about how the um, air-cooled Safari Porsche is the absolute daily driver. I don't know about air-cooled Porsche, but a Safari car is, to me, built properly, built for daily driver use. Absolutely, the, like, bee's knees. So I'm really sad. I hope they, they're able to bring the vehicle back, I guess. I mean, you know... The point is, it doesn't really matter what I think because I can't, I'm not buying one anyway. But I think it's really stupid when car companies or like, you know, how Ford was super particular about people who who won the right to buy a Ford GT and they couldn't turn around and sell it. Like, bruh, I paid you money. It's mine now. I get to do what I want with it. This concept of like the, the ownership of clawback ownership where the, the original company can claw back on you and say, well, you're allowed to buy the car, but I didn't want you to make it awesome. You're allowed to buy my air-cooled Porsche from 30 years ago, but how dare you make it super cool? That's silly to me. And it makes me not want to buy a Porsche. Don't get me wrong, I'd buy a Porsche, but, you know. Anyways, let's just jump into this last story. Good folks over at GMC, Hummer. Uh, I don't know what to call them anymore. I never really understood GMC as a company. I don't quite understand the business proposition of what GMC does. Don't get me wrong. I'd buy a GMC over a Chevy most of the time. 
But I don't understand why there's two brands doing the exact set. Like, I don't know how that's profitable. I don't get it. But it is. And now that GMC has a little more of a... Now that GMC has a little more of a... I don't know, edge or whatever. Because they the, the, the comeback of Hummer was integrated into GMC, which makes so much sense. Good job. Question... What's the point of GMC anymore? Let's everything just be Hummers. Stick that grill on everything. I mean, if you did a half decent job bringing back the H2 and just called it a yuckin', uh, I think people would buy it. And especially now that this. So, anyways, the point is GMC. Ooh, GMC is coming out on. They're going to debut on the third of April. The GMC Hummer EV SUV. Now. You screwed up, GMC. You screwed up big time. Let me explain why you screwed up. The GMC Hummer EV truck, how is that a name? There's too many things there. Okay? Too many things. If I was GMC, I would have just said, this GMC Hummer 1, GMC Hummer 2, because they're all going to be EVs. The 1 EV, the 3 EV, whatever. I would have done the H1N, H2, H3 thing, okay? Uh, not Ethan Klein, not H3, H3 Productions. But I would have done the H, that same nomenclature, but I just would have called the Hummer 1, 2. Just like a Mazda 6 is not Mazda 6. It's actually a Mazda, Mazda 6. Mazda and 6 are one word, and it's Mazda, Mazda 6. It's wild. I'm not kidding, though. That is literally how it is built to the, um, like, that is how it's titled, I think. I, I guess I don't know. No, that's None of that is the point, though. I'm correct here in saying that they bungled this by not having a better nomenclature uh, strategy because um, I think that these things are going to do particularly well. And I wish them well, but in addition to that, here's what I also think. Uh, I know that the Mustang mach is doing well, I want to know how Elon's feeling right now. You know, much to Elon's detriment, when these incumbent car players say, okay, thank you for proving and establishing and building the electric-only car market for us, Elon. We really appreciate it. Now, they have the ability to jump in because they have capital. They have history. They have infrastructure. They got suppliers. They got this whole thing wired. They got it down pack. Now... I think it's really interesting for GMC and General Motors to continue debuting vehicles when they've yet to deliver, from what I understand, they've yet to deliver the Hummer EV truck. Uh, but I think it's, it's I mean, listen, it's, it's, it doesn't matter how many problems this vehicle has, it's going to be awesome. And I think it is fascinating that General Motors figured out how to turn this story around because the story of Hummer was like this, of this wanton American excess that was crushed. It was hoisted on its own petard and it was crushed. And everyone who lost, every mortgage broker lost their H2. And they had to commute on the subway or drive a freaking uh, Prius, right? And that was the history of it. But in reality, uh, you know, its comeback is as this thing that is probably just as bad for the planet as the h2 if not worse uh, but it's an electric car and the sentiment the public sentiment is that the electric car is better for the environment 
That is not actually proven to be true. We don't know that yet because it's all powered by coal. But the point is, I think they screwed up by now coming out with a better like n- naming strategy. But I'm excited to see how this thing actually looks and drives when it comes out. And like I said, much to the detriment of Elon, like that Cybertruck better be quick, dude, like not fat, like fat on the street, like. You better, like, I better be able to buy one at a Tesla in Texas. You technically, like, they had a franchise problem. So, what, Tesla uh, Gallery? I think, I don't know. They're not allowed to call them dealerships because, again, Tesla doesn't sell through the traditional dealer network. It set up its own retail stores and not doing the franchise model. A lot of, you know, states where they have a strong franchise um, lobby. Wanted to prevent that. And then I think, you know what? Uh, this, as being the Idiots versus Idiots channel, and this is the Carspiracy show, maybe one day I'll jump into a dialogue about why the franchise system is silly. So with that all being said, this is Danny of Carspiracy, and at some point in time I'm going to explain why this podcast is called Carspiracy. But until then, hold on to your butts.